there was a lot of information last week, and I will kind of go back over it again just to kind of saturate us and everything. Um, but this first page where it says fivefold gifts to the church, that was the presentation last week, okay? So that will have the overview of all the different ones. We had um, uh, five different people representing the five different functions and then the lost person, and we walked the lost person through the five different functions. And those um, overviews are in here of the five different functions and how we did that. Um, there, Sharon. <laughs> then you're going to wonder, like, well, why do I have three different pages? So uh, Shelly was sweet enough to print out what's going to be on the overhead on this. So everybody doesn't have to frantically take notes. You can take notes on here. And then um, we're going to go over this together, the apostle role, even further together. So I thought instead of putting it on the overhead, I'd just give everybody a handout. Okay? All right. So I'm going to pray before we start, but even before I pray, um, I'm going to be a little prophetic with you guys real quick. Um so, as we know, there were two trees in the garden, right? There was a garden of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. And if you may not know, but we still get a choice of which one to eat, okay? So, we, if we partake of our own understanding, then we are eating from the tree of knowledge still. Um, and I like how 1 Corinthians 8.1 puts it in the New Living Translation. While knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. So I am praying, and as I've been doing this, I've been praying that we will eat from the tree of life tonight and that we will allow Holy Spirit to be the teacher, and I just get to be, and I feel, um, and then that way, love. Um, so as we learn more and more about the fivefold gifts and prophecy and all these exciting things that are meant for his church, and we talk about what it looks like for Sand Springs, um, what I want to guard against is not getting puffed up, okay? Um, but instead, we allow what we know to start loving on people better, people that haven't been privy to this information or they're afraid of this information because it causes change. So my hope, and, and I know that you guys are, are, are remnant ready for that, is that when we leave, we're helping other people come into this knowledge with loving hearts, okay? So, so Lord... Um, Holy Spirit, we just invite you here, and uh, we bind any other spirit that's not Holy Spirit, and it has to go. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask for you to speak um, to each person in the way they can listen and understand. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I felt like going what we should go through first because um, of some of the questions last week. Um, did you know that each person of the Godhead gave gifts. The first time I was taught that this, it kind of blew my mind. But check this out. So, let's see. There are the Father's gifts. All right? So, the Father's gifts are the grace gifts from Romans 12, 6 through 8. And these are hardwired into you in the womb. You are created by the Father with certain gifts. Sometimes people call them talents or or, or um just ways that you see things. But um, in Romans, they list several of them. Um, also, these gifts are without repentance. So see Romans eleven twenty nine. They can be used for whatever the person personally wills, even before salvation. But yet, they're going to be responsible to the creator for how their gifts are used. And so um, they give us a list of them, which I don't know that these are exhaustive lists, but it, you'll see, you know, serving and encouragement and giving and leadership and kindness you can see those in people that are even lost, right? Because they are made in the image of God, and they have that gift hardwired in them. Um, then you have Holy Spirit's gift to believers, which I believe most of us know these. So Holy Spirit, he is the gift, and he brings nine gifts. And those nine gifts are for every believer for the common good to empower them to expand the kingdom. And Holy Spirit gets to choose which nine gifts need to be used, okay? Um, that's 1 Corinthians 
12, 7 through 11. And so I've got those listed for you. So some people, um, some people will be more obedient maybe in praying for healings or praying for prophecy. And so you may see that there may be stronger in one gift or another, but Holy Spirit, he says you can use all those. You can walk in wisdom. You can walk in knowledge. You can walk in miracles. You can walk in all of those um, as you continue to press into him for more. Okay? So here's another one, but I hadn't thought of it this way. But it says, Jesus gave gifts to his bride. So these are the ones we're talking about here. The son's gifts to his bride. And these are what we've been going through in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. These gifts are chosen by Jesus himself. And then they are confirmed by man. Okay. So again, let's read it because this is, we're going to, we're going to know this. It's going to be memorized by the time we get through <laughs> with this. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. So I just want to stop right there for a minute. Believe me, you do not want this function. You don't want to make yourself one of these functions because you won't have the grace to do it. <laughs> okay? If he chooses you, he will grace you to do it. And... um so their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Okay, so we've got your apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, so we're going to review just a little bit from last week because we've got some new people here. Um, again, I don't think I can say this enough. The five gifts, or as some refer to them as offices, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, are not titles. They do not entitle people to Lord above. They are not what we think in our American mind as a title. They are describing the function of the person that is in that office. Okay? It is a functional, it's a function. That's, so, I think it's sometimes where we've, gotten confused and I think we talked about that last week is if somebody somebody throws that title around you they they some people have abused it and therefore it's made it look like it's something that nobody wants to do with anymore but instead these people are chosen to actually equip and serve the church the body all right so there are five gifts for three purposes providing four results. So the five gifts are the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their purpose, collectively, individually, what they have been called to do is to perfect the saints. Perfecting meaning complete furnishing and equipping. Number two, for the work of the ministry. Ministry being to serve and to minister to edify the body. Edifying means to build up and to promote growth. And the cause of them doing this will produce unity in the faith. It will cause the knowledge of the Son of God. It will bring everyone into a perfect man, and it will bring everybody into the measure and statue of the fullness of Christ. Who wants to do that? Let's do that, right? I want to walk in the fullness of Christ. Help me out. <laughs> All right, so we're going to dive deeper into the five gifts, the son's gifts to his, to his bride. So the son's gifts to his bride are chosen by Jesus himself, again, and conferred by man. So a person that is called into this office will have a personal and undeniable encounter with Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit will start the training, okay? Um, there will be an equipping process, which will include deep heart cleansing and physical consecration, okay? Eventually, the promotion will come as God reveals the person to the body and the other fivefold offices, and then they will publicly recognize and affirm the call. So a little bit of what that looks like. There's, we've got, 
all over the place. There's different different thoughts and schools of thought about this, and that's okay. I think we can all be unified. We can we can unify it. Some people believe, well, someone was born a prophet, or they were born an apostle, or they were born an evangelist. Some people feel like, well, uh, as they went along in their calling, um, the Lord just called them in. I believe it can be both ways, honestly. If it could be that that person was wired in the womb like Jeremiah to be a prophet, and then they came into the fullness. Then there may be someone where, hey, I'm needing an evangelist right now. I'm looking. I'm searching this area. And there's no evangelist. I'm going to raise you up, buddy, to be an evangelist, okay? So I don't think we should get stuck so much on the how, but I think it's important to talk about the how because right now um, the Lord's bringing everyone kind of back to this apostolic model and so there's a lot of people kind of putting themselves in positions because they're excited. They're like, oh, I want to title, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. But there has, there's a process in place. And Jesus calls his who goes in, and then it gets affirmed. because And how it gets affirmed and confirmed is people that are already in this office start seeing how that person is responding and the work that they're doing and that they're already being an evangelist, they're already teaching, and they're already doing these things, and then they're seeing the call on their life, and they then they just confirm that call on person, someone's life. Does that make sense? Are there questions about that? Okay. All right. A person's gift will make room for him, and the honor given allows a person to be a called a gift to the body. So as a person starts moving in, what they've been called to do, it's going to make sense to everyone around them, and they will start honoring them as a gift to the body. They'll be like, wow, we really love how you teach, and then we really like when so-and-so teaches, and then it just starts affirming. They start honoring that gift in them, and other people around them start recognizing, wow, that person's got a teaching gift, and they start being honored for the gift, and then the gift makes room for them, and the Lord raises them up, not that person raising them up. Does that make sense? Um, so to fulfill an office, the person must have the dynamics of a true disciple and have already been and continue to do these dynamics. So what a, so I want to go into like what is a true disciple because I think we all have different thoughts of what a disciple may be. Um, let me slow down a minute, take a deep breath. All right, so I'm going to diverge for just a minute because I think it's important that we all are on the same page of what a true disciple. Yancey never does this, and I'm going to push against your theology just a So have you thought about the fact that the disciples were not saved till the cross, and yet they were healing the sick and casting out demons? They were expanding the kingdom, and they didn't even have salvation or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit yet because they walked with Jesus, Right? So how much more should we, now that we have salvation, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, how much more should we not be carrying the mandate of not just sharing the gospel, but healing the sick and casting out demons now that we have the Holy Spirit? So according to John 17, we should be doing greater works, right? Jesus himself said that. So baseline of what a Christian or a Christ-like one should be doing is sharing the gospel, healing the sick, delivering the oppressed, right? So that's that baseline true disciple. So if you're not doing that, and this convicts me as well. So if this is convicting you, I'm sitting here in that same place. If you're, in, if you're not doing that, you should... Like, why would you think that you should be teaching the rest of the body of Christ how to do it, right? The, um, just the, the Great Commission, basically, when he said, go out and uh, preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. Raise the dead. So, um, so if we're not doing that, right, um, So if a person isn't doing this, how do they think they will be considered to equip his bride to do it? So if we don't see the bride acting like the ecclesia, which means a governing body on the earth, could it be that, one, we aren't seeing ourselves correctly? We don't see the true definition. We're not 
defining um, what a Christian or a Christ-like one is. Maybe we don't see ourselves as a true son or a daughter of the living God. Or two, maybe we don't have the proper government in our churches, right, to be able to teach us or to help us wake up to the fact that, oh, there's something missing here, right? Um, so to reiterate, a person in this office or function must have the dynamics of a true disciple flowing out of their life, okay? Um, all right. Any questions about that? Right. It's, it's another level of consecration to... Well, we should all be surrendered, but to to teach others, it's another level of consecration um, that you have to lay yourself down even more because now <laughs> you're responsible. You know, like James talks about, don't just be so quick to teach because you're responsible for every word to the Lord. Yes, ma'am. That was ecclesia, right? That was the body being the body. And when the body's the body and they receive Holy Spirit and y'all said, Holy Spirit, come in here, make this where, and y'all are being more and more open, things are happening, raising the dead, people are getting healed. I mean, it's it's all happening among here in Sand Springs because you guys are are receiving that fullness and you're walking in it and you said, Lord, we'll do it, we'll do it. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. No, he was like, yes. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's power it's powerful. He said the devil's an idiot. Yeah, right. We showed him. They didn't have a handbook or a formula or anything. They just had been empowered by Jesus, and they went and did it. Okay, so this is a big question, too. Um, a person can move in more than one function, but generally generally, they will be, there will be one more dominating than other, others. So um, just because a person has some tenacity towards a certain office doesn't mean that that is the final or primary call. So an example might be a pastor that also functions as a teacher, and we call that a preacher, right? Um, so there are different schools of thought here, too. Um, there are some uh, bodies of Christ that uh, believe that it's like, well, you get to be an evangelist first, and then you move into pastor, then you move into teacher, then you move into prophet, then you move into apostle. I don't really like that one because it makes it feel like it's a hierarchy, like, well, you just haven't earned your apostleship yet, you know. And um, so, but, you know, there, there's a school of thought for that. Um, there's, um, they're functioning maybe in an office. They're functioning very well in the, in the teacher realm. And then the Lord says, okay, I'm needing an apostle. I'm going to raise you up into the, into, this, into the apostle, right? And you see that sometimes even with, so you see that with Paul, he says, I am a teacher. I w he was functioning in that role. And then they called him together. They all talked about it. And then they commissioned him out as an apostle, right? So he was functioning in one. 
and then they sent him out in, an, in another, okay? So it's not to get us confused. Really what it is is, especially the apostle, they can, they can function. It's just, holy, it's just the goodness of God. If one of them's missing, someone else can kind of come in there and func- can help function. But, but someone that's called to the role is going to function way better in that role than someone that's called to one of the other roles trying to fill the gap. Does that make sense? And we talked about that some last time where if you've got just one functioning member, how it can be off balance in other ways. Then they may slip back into sin if it's just an evangelist. Or if you've just got a pastor, they all feel really, really loved, but they may not get the biblical word that they need because they need a teacher in there. Okay, But that doesn't mean that God and his goodness doesn't allow people to function in more than one so that they, his people can get what they need. Okay. Um, so the gifts are evident today and all five are needed in operation. Um, though some might be denied operation or tried not to be recognized, nonetheless, they do exist, um, possibly with limited exercised authority due to man's denial. So there could be in different bodies or different, um, in different regions, there could be a functioning apostle or they could be a functioning prophet, but they're very, very limited and by what they will be received from, what will be received from them. Like we, prophets are kind of weird. So now, you know, because we don't want you to get too weird, you know, or they may have someone that's apostolic. Well, we'll let you come in and set some of the order, but I'm not sure. Or, you know, or we'll let you, we'll let you evangelize, but we, we don't want all those dirty people in here. So let's clean them up first before they come in, you know. So we, sometimes we can limit the functions just because of, of fear, honestly. Um, and so um, that doesn't, so if you have never seen a prophet before or apostle before, it doesn't mean that there isn't one around. It just may, may mean that they're being very limited in their capacity because they're not being able to be received from. All right. Any questions on that? Comments or anything? All right. So let's go further into the apostle role. Uh, because this is really the one that the Lord is highlighting on the earth right now. And, bec- and there is a lot of misunderstanding about it and a lot of confusion around this gift set. Um, what I'm going to share, and I'm going to share everything, is going to be from this document here. We're going to go over it together. Okay. Instead of putting it up there, I just went ahead and printed everyone out one. Um. And not that I am the all-out authority, but uh, the person I got this from is, um, his name is Dr. Crawford. He's an apostle. He is under um, Apostle Jim Hodges, which is the same apostle Dutch Sheets is under. So um, he's been an apostle for over 30 years, and he's, you know, he's written a lot. So I really, um, he, I really trust him, and, um, and I did you know, did my own due diligence within it, but I just kind of wanted to let you know, well, where did that girl get all that information from? She was apostle is just means one who is sent, right? So if you have questions as we go through these, and I'll just kind of weave in and out, you guys ask, and then we can have more conversational about it, okay? Um, so the apostle is a governmental gift given to bring the church into order, and increased authority and anointing. So when an apostle is in a proper place and um, given the proper order or given the proper honor to do what his function is to do, you're going to see the authority of the body come into place, and you're going to see a different level of anointing um, within when he's speaking or him or her in the body, okay? Most apostles are intolerant of doctrinal error and that's because it makes their jobs harder they're like well yeah this is great you know they can get frustrated sometimes because they're being taught all these different things and then you're trying to set the order and you got sheep just running everywhere doing what they want to do when you're trying to get let's 
let's all march here. Let's all move forward. Let's advance. We just have not recognized them. We talked a little bit about that. True apostles operate in such humility that a lot of times they, they will not promote themselves as an apostle. Several apostles that I know, they, they don't even want to use the term apostle, especially once they know there's a connotation around it, because they don't want to mislead the sheep to think that they're lording over them. So a lot of times there are people that are functioning in these roles apostolically already. They just aren't, they're just not walking around going, hey, I'm apostle so-and-so, you know. And different, and, and there's, it's, I don't want to talk bad about anybody that's doing that because of, there's also cultural differences and different church differences and how they use the term. So I'm not against that. I'm just saying that there may be apostles that you don't even know that are among you um, because they're being humble. Um, there are forerunners, they are forerunners, and they introduce new dimensions of spiritual life. So you can look at like what Paul was doing and then even consider was doing or thought of. Um, they were opening people a whole different spiritual dimension um, with Holy Spirit and breaking new ground and opening people up to, to a further understanding of what Jesus wanted them and for wanted them to live, how they, he wanted them to live. Um, they are kingdom focused over an individual body. So when you've got an uh, apostle that's over an individual body, they're thinking about how do we advance the kingdom? How do we, how do we get this moving forward? Uh, they have a matron. Now, a matron is a sphere of influence, and I put a couple of scripture references here. Um, in Acts 16.6, um, Paul talks about how the Holy Spirit kept him from preaching the word in Asia. And it's very interesting because why wouldn't God want Paul to go to Asia? Well, it's because Paul, Paul had something else he needed to do. There was a sphere of influence for Paul. He had someone else that he wanted to go to Asia. And so um, an apostle will have a sphere of influence that the Lord has blessed them in to impact and trust that he's going to raise up another apostle to affect another sphere. Okay. Um, another scripture on that is 2 Corinthians 10, 13. Um, he's telling the Corinthians, we do not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure, and that word is matron, which means sphere of influence, according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. So he's telling the Corinthians, you are in my sphere of influence. You are in my measure, and I am, I am speaking into you, and I am praying for you. You are in my matron. You're in my sphere of influence. Um, apostles are given to the whole body of Christ. Okay, they are a gift to the bride, to the whole body. Um, all apostles are fathers, but not all fathers are apostles. Now, you will see there are some men that are especially fatherly, and they draw other men up, they lift other men up, um, they, they set and fortify and empower other men, and they've got what's called like a fathering, people call it like a fathering mantle, right? You can just see them, you're like, wow, that guy, he just draws men, power, empowers them, and, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's an apostle. He could just have a father, the fathering heart of God. And so sometimes, and, and I've, seen the, I've seen this in some apostolic communities, the gentleman is just has an amazing fathering gift, but he is not necessarily um, he's not necessarily an apostle because he's not thinking about how do we build the kingdom, how do we do this? He's like, how do I activate all my children, right? Because he's very fatherly, right? And he's like, oh, I've got all these children. Well, maybe my children are prophets and apostles. And sometimes in that fatherly heart, he can raise somebody up that's not necessarily in that office. The apostle is called by Jesus, okay? Not just because everybody goes, oh, he's so fatherly. Um, let's see. They see, but um, an apostle will actually see the gifting in people, and they have the ability to bring that gifting out. Um, and since an apostle has been called to perfect the saints, they will see all truth, not just one aspect of truth. So when they are looking and observing um, what needs to happen to forward the kingdom or what may be happening in someone's life, 
they may not, they will see past just what's being presented to them. The Holy Spirit will help them see the gift in the person. And maybe this thing that this person's presenting, maybe they have a complaining spirit or maybe they have trauma or something happening in their life. They're able to see past that and say, you know what? I see the gift and calling on your life. I see it, but you're letting these things hinder it. So I'm going to call out this gift in you to bring and let's bring because let's get you a pastor in here or let's really want to empower that gift i want to send you out in this gift but i need to send you back down to the pastor and the teacher and we need to get you a little more trained in this but they're always seeing the gift in the person they're seeing how that person fits into the kingdom dynamic how that person can be sent out um let's see so since they have been called to perfect the saints, they see all truth, not just one aspect of truth. While, pa- while the pastoral truth deals with the individual life, the apostolic truth deals with the overall effect on the body. So that's even more kind of what I said. He's thinking about how this is going to affect the whole body, where a pastor's thinking about this poor, indi- this poor individual, if that makes sense. Um, pastoral truth produces self-serving servants where apostolic truth produces body-serving sons, okay? So sometimes, if, especially if you've got, uh, you've got, and then those people are like, they're sons that are serving their pastoralship, but apostle is actually taking those people and producing sons of God to s- affect the body, right? Um, so um, the apostle is actually the only office Jesus appointed and is the only office that is actually they give like a commissioning to in scripture. If you'll notice when they send out Paul, Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas, they actually come in, they pray over them, they commission them and they send them out. Okay. Any questions? Just are we all good? Okay. Okay. An apostle is sent with a message and a specific assignment and mandate given by God directly for a specific people. There's that matron again, matron again, a specific people, a specific cause, and a purpose directly concerning the kingdom of God. Um, this message releases people from the past, confronts the present, and establishes correct doctrine, and they are intolerant of false concepts and teachings. Um, You'll see apostles writing books. You'll see some establishing schools and training. Um, You'll see them putting in um, place dynamics that continue to expand and grow when they are no longer around. They're constantly thinking about legacy. What do I leave behind? What can I leave behind to the next generation? Am I setting up the next generation to advance the kingdom? I don't want what is being built to, to stop when I go. How do I build, how do I have sons? How do I have daughters? How do we advance this and keep this going? Um, Birthing a church does not necessarily make one an apostle. An evangelist could do it. Um, Running a large church doesn't necessarily make someone an apostle because a good administrator can run a large church, right? Um, All apostles have lived, have a life of suffering or righteousness for righteousness sake. To establish the kingdom. You can see that in the New Testament. Every or the case of Christ. They, there, there was some suffering. They were laying down their own agendas for Christ. And doing what he wanted. To out, outside of what they wanted. All apostles have seen the Lord. And they divine, define their personal lives and molded their experiences. You'll st- you'll hear apostles, they'll talk about, the Lord told me, I had a vision, I had a dream, when I was talking to the Lord, when I went and talked to the Lord. They, they have a personal relationship with Holy Spirit, with Jesus, because they're constantly doing, okay, Jesus, this is your bride. How do I get them in order? Jesus, this is your bride. What do you want me to do? What's my sphere of influence? What, they are so dependent on that intimacy because they have the fear of the Lord for like what I'm, uh, all apostles have a cross section of voluntary followers, more than just a local congregation who have benefited from that apostle and have a functional relationship with them. So you will see, or maybe in the apostle, 
Um, they will have people in their church, but then they also have people in their city or maybe in their region or maybe, um, you know, spread out wherever the Lord has called them to. They have other people that are being affected that they're speaking into outside their congregation, okay? They're working alongside. So you see that like with Paul and Timothy and Titus, like they're all working together and they're all affecting each other. Um, apostles are counselors to other ministries and investors into emerging ministries. Um, these types of gifts are attracted to apostles because they know the apostle will know how to place them and how to make them grow into the gift they are to be. So um, someone that's an apostle, you'll see someone, you'll see um, ministries or um, the other fivefold gifts coming to this person going, we would like your wise counsel. <laughs> Help us. We, we're launching this ministry. Can you speak into this? Um, can we get some wise, you know, how can, how can we do this? Um, uh, uh, let's see. Okay. The main thing to realize is apostles are given to bring order, establish churches or ministries, and bring out the other, other ministry gifts. Okay. So apostles are like, okay, where's my prophet at? Where's my teacher at? Where's my pastors at? Where are my evangelists? They're looking for the other ministry gifts so that the full order and the full body of Christ, can. there's a fullness. Um, or healthy ones are supposed to be, or do this. So we'll say this is the healthy ones. Um, let's see. They carry resurrection life and apostolic grace that sets them apart. So when you see the apostles, when they're apostling, they're, when everywhere they're going, there's life is breaking out. They're resurrecting life. There's a special grace on their life, signs, miracles, and wonders. They're getting out of prison. All kinds of crazy things are happening because of God's grace on their life. And it sets them apart. Um, they travel by themselves or with prophets. It needs to be done, or there'll be an apostle prophet team. So um, they're, te they're teams, right? Um, there's, you see in Jerusalem, there was an apostolic council. They all got together to decide um, different things that affected the body. Um, every apostle has something of significance. They are apostling. So um, there's something that is on, that the Lord has put on that apostle's heart that is needed for their matron, their sphere of influence that they are building and watching over and caring, Okay. How are we doing? It's a lot of information. Are we still good? Okay. I don't know where we are in time. I don't have my clock. Okay. So we go till seven, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot of information, so I'll probably stop at seven if I get to seven. All right. So I want to stop for a minute. Any questions? Is this bringing up any like? Or are you going? Wow. I think I might. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of some people I'm thinking are very apostolic, you know, or you start thinking about people, you start thinking about things when you start thinking about this. So, yeah. So apostles, um, so apostles have an encounter with Christ. At some point they will have a dream, a vision, some sort of a counter with Christ that's like it rocks their world. It totally changes their world. And they're being called at that time. But then Holy Spirit takes them through a process. And then as they're doing the work of the ministry, the people around them, especially the other fivefold members, will say, yeah, and they will confirm the calling on their life. Did that answer your question? They should be faithful to do the ministry around them and trust that the Lord's going to start raising them up and will make it obvious who they are. They can if they if they have an encounter. You should when you have any type of encounter, you should be going back and go, Holy Spirit, was that you? You know, <laughs> are you sure that's you or am I having delusions of grandeur here? I mean, I know that's what happened with me. I'm like, what was that? What was that? And so I went to my spiritual mother at the time. I went to people around me that knew me and I'm like this is this is happening so I went to them but I didn't necessarily go up to the pastor and go I have now been called to be this thing you must set me in place 
and we have people that do that. We, they do that. They're like, oh, cool, I'm going to print up a business card. This is who I am now. And, and then it kind of ruins it for the other people that are diligently walking through the process, the crushing and the consecration and the, I don't really want to do that. What is it that you call? Why did you call me to this? I don't know. I don't want to do. You know, those people are struggling, and then the other ones are like, woohoo. So you can come to, it just depends on the, whoever feels that they're called. They need to be diligent to, let's start working on being a true apostle, for, or a true disciple first. Like, are you being a true disciple? You know, and then let's start working on, okay, now what are the other things we need to do? We need to make sure our household is in order because, like, are you even doing what the elders do? Like, do you, is, your, is your house in order? You know, checking those things. Is my heart in order? And then when you do those things and you're doing the work of the ministry, the people around you will notice and God will lift you up. He will lift you up into the place and it will be so obvious to everyone around you. And then there will be other fivefold that will notice your gift and calling. And if you have an apostle in place or even even the other any of the other fivefold gifts, especially you'll see with pastors and teachers, they'll be like, man, that dude's an evangelist. We can just tell. He just doesn't stop. Every time he prays, it's about the lost. Every time he's going somewhere, it's about the lost. And so, but they're watching, right? They're watching. Is he going out? Is he really bringing in the saved? Like, so it's it's a process, and they're watching that person, and they're affirming, and they're pouring into and training that person until the Lord says, okay, it's time to put them into a position to now equip the body to do what they've been doing. Does that make sense? Or that's how I understand it. Now, I know there's so many teachings on different things, but that has been my experience, my personal experience. And the ones that people that I have learned from and mentored from, that has been their personal experience of what they've taught me is like, you, it's, it's a process. It's a process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and for people that have come to me, I've had several people come to me and like, I'm a pro, you know, I think I'm a prophet too. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's get in relationship. Let's talk. Let's hang out. Let's see, you know, we hang out and we talk and I may see that they have a very strong prophetic gift. But I, I, I've, I don't, I've like done this with four people now that I'm like, okay, you go ask Jesus what you are. And I've had like two of them come back and go, he says I'm a pastor. And I'm like, okay, yep. I've had one come back and say, I had this dream. And in this dream, I kept saying, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. And I was like, all right, there you go. Like I was praying for them to get that revelation. You know, one lady, she was like, I was cleaning my bathtub, and all of a sudden I heard, you are a pastor. And I thought, ah! And she said, I just, like, just fell out in the spirit. And she said, I just, nothing like that's ever happened to me in my life. Right? And I'm like, well, okay. But I was like, okay, Lord, show them what you've called them to be. Right? Because just because they're highly prophetic, or even I'm seeing, wow, they are really highly prophetic. But it's like, that doesn't mean that Jesus has called you to this office, or that doesn't mean that that's what he is primary goal. So the one lady that was actually called as a, as a pastor, she was actually a deliverance pastor. So she went more into deliverance, and so that's why she had a really strong prophetic gift and discerning, so she could discern those things. But her heart for people was more pastoral, so she could get them delivered and set free. Does that make sense? Where a prophet's kind of like, bam, bam, you know, get them out of there. But this person's heart was to counsel them to freedom and to get them that inner healing and deliverance. So does that kind of give you an example? But, I mean, those are, I can only speak from my own experiences. I know 
Holy Spirit's not limited, right? Like we can't put him in a box. He's going to do what he wants to do. And just like the, um, you know, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, you know, sometimes you're like, what in the, what in the world? Well, maybe the person is actually called. They, they didn't go through all the crushing that they needed to go through. And maybe they're just needing a little bit of help, you know? All right. But um, he said, all you need to do to be a qualified as an apostle is called to, you know, with a message. And he didn't even know the word apostle or it wouldn't have applied to him. All he knew was he'd been called. And when you and he pointed out that when the disciples, they were called disciples until they were sent two by two to other cities. And when they came back, Jesus called them apostles. So there's just a, there's an aspect of just a, a, a strong sense of calling to a certain what's a metron a certain sphere and but you don't take that and, and like you said create business cards and call yourself you you just you just respond to the call and you become obedient and and you go through maybe some of those processes of forgetting yourself and deciding where god fits in terms of where my family is and all the other things that and, and make put, put yourself in a place where he begins to function i agree and i saw you one thing, though, that is a little kludgy is every, so is everyone that's sent an apostle. Well, and from the term apostle, yes, but every missionary that's sent isn't necessarily a fivefold or a whatever, a functional apostle. Because as you see, Paul was, he's setting order by saying some are this, some are that. So, I think that is why, like, when I differentiate that apostle term, I'll say we are an apostolic people. Because we should all, because all be sent. We should all be apostles. We should all be sent ones. But then there are those, some, that are chosen to actually hold the office to equip the other ones to, to send. Does that make sense? So that's, that's where I've been the verbiage can sometimes, and that's why it's important for us to have these conversations because you're thinking, oh, one person's thinking apostle this and another person's thinking apostle that or, or prophet this or prophet that. And so it's important that when we're having these discussions with people that we're asking questions, well, how do you define that? Or what does that mean to you so that we can have those open discussions and there's not, there's not the enemy can't get any confusion in there. So you might have covered this already, and and it could be a silly question, but so as far as the mandates um, for an apostle, so an apostle is to advance the kingdom. Is that the overall mandate from the time he recognizes or the Holy Spirit raises him up till the time that he passes? Or and The reason why I'm asking is because I know in my life, and maybe you can relate, you know, there's seasons where he speaks, this is where I'm at and this is what I'm doing is it like that with an apostle I guess that's what I want that's a great question so we're all like Dean said we're all apostolic we're all sent ones Jesus is the chief apostle so if we're wanting to be like Jesus we're going to be apostolic in nature we're all going to be expanding the, the kingdom but there will be um, you're just you just start being naturally wired and there's just an intensity to start. Like I am so obsessed with building the kingdom, you know, like I am so obsessed with getting people walking in the fullness of Christ. I am so obsessed. And so it's like, they're just, it's like, it, it's as the Lord's working that out in their life. Right. And so it's not like they're five years old going, I want to build the kingdom, you know, and they're, you know, oh, that's an apostle. But maybe, you know, maybe they're always building with their Lincoln logs and they're showing they're showing signs of being this. And then later on, you're like, oh, the reason he always loved that is because he's an apostle. Like it, it could be. But like I said, there are times when he's going to raise if there's no one there, he's going to raise someone up. Does that make sense? And so, but yes, it's, we're all human and we're all going through processes. And, and I think a lot of times as, you know, especially as Americans, we have this Greek mindset. We just think very linearly, 
like this happens, then this happens, then this happens, and then check, everything's done. But God, his thoughts are so much higher. And when you think when you see a Hebrew mindset, they think cyclical and they think, you know, they think harvest and they think, you know, when you come back around, there's you, you come up to a higher understanding and there's layers of things. So they just think differently. God just thinks differently. So I don't want to say this is the formula because as soon as we say this is the formula, Holy Spirit's going to be like, ha-ha, watch this. <laughs> and we're all going to be like, what just happened, you know? <laughs> so does that help answer your question? Okay, great. All right, so I'm going to run through these. They uh, So just because I'm saying this is impossible doesn't mean this can't be anybody, right? Oh, five minutes. Okay. So they are pioneers and risk takers. They carry that spirit of resurrection and reformation that brings life and spiritual flow. Um, they are very dependent on God's approval, not man's. A lot of times with apostles, you'll be like, whoo, they just said that. Whoa, I can't believe they just went there. But it's like they are so they are way more concerned about getting you to understand truth and to walking in truth and walking in order than hurting your feelings. And a pastor's pastors are like, you know, they love you so much. They're like, well, let me say this in a way that you can. And it's like the apostle's like, bam, there it is, right there in scripture. Let's do it. You know, let's go. So sometimes when you see apostles, they're pretty aggressive, but they will always have that fathering heart. They're doing it from a heart of love. They're doing it from a heart of wanting to see you grow up in the faith. Um, they set things in order. They maintain spiritual flow. So you'll notice um, in uh, a meetings as they start going more apostolic, the apostle kind of is sensitive to the Holy Spirit, right? So he's like, he'll, he's constantly testing. He's like, okay, we should probably go longer in worship. Holy Spirit's really enjoying this. I feel like we need to go further in worship. And then he just kind of sets that flow. And he may be like, you know, flow, I don't even want to speak. Let's all repent. You know, like he's going to flow with what Holy Spirit's wanting. Or he may be like, you know what? I feel like, Yancey, you're supposed to speak tonight. You know, he just knows the flow of the order because he's staying consistently in tune with what Holy Spirit's wanting to do in the meeting. And so that's why you would see in the early church, everyone else, not just the apostles, but everyone was flowing in that, right? So in the house churches, one would have a psalm, one would have a song, they would pray for healing. They were always like, it was never the same. It was never three worship songs and the thing, and then we get dismissed and blah, 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 which is lovely. That's, what we, that's where we've gotten to, but that's not what they were doing. They were doing, it was more flowing with Holy Spirit. What do you want to do, Holy Spirit? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Um, let's see. Mm. So they minister out of their experience, not out of their head. They pull people out of their comfort zone, kind of like what I said before. They're going to be like, hey, sister, I see that calling on you. I see that you can teach. Come on, come on. We're going to put you in a group, and we're going to we're going to start activating you and teaching. Or, hey, I see. So they will kind of push people out of their comfort zone. People are, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good just to sit here. Nope, nope, I see the calling on you. We really need you. We need you activated in this area. Um, they're very visionary. They attract the other ministry gifts. They produce like-minded sons and daughters of the same faith. They draw the other gifts in. They help train them and release them into ministry. They have a unique spiritual authority uh, within the body of Christ and over certain territories. So you will see these apostles, when they declare, when they speak, when they activate people over a certain territory, the territory changes. You should see marked change and fruit when you've got an apostle setting the order. You will see change in that matron in their territory. Um, let's see. They have specific assignments. Um, one of the most distinguishing marks of an apostle is the ability to embrace all other ministry gifts. I'm telling you, I, I, an apostle, a friend of mine that's an apostle, it kind of hurt my feelings, but she was like, you know, having a lot of prophets around is like herding cats. And I was like, hmm. 
but she just loves them anyways, right? But you got so, sometimes when you've got young prophets, they're going to prophesy this and prophesy that, and they're going to, but she's loving them enough to kind of try to get them in order, not rejecting them, right? And then you've got a lot of times the pastor and the prophet sometimes will butt heads because the pastor's like, I want to love them into change. And the, the prophet's going, we need to deliver them. We need to get them. Get them, get them out, get them out, get it out, you know. And so they're, they're sometimes can be, but the apostle can be like, okay, guys, we need both of you. We need everybody on here. Like, teacher, can you come in here and teach them stuff and get them, <laughs> you know, calm them down a little bit. So, um, but that's part of the attributes of an apostle. Um, they preach and teach the word. They flow in the gifts. Um, they have deep personal experiences. And if you've ever had, and that's, it's not just for the apostle, it's for everybody to have deep spiritual experiences. But an apostle is going to have, be having regularly, regular personal experiences with Christ because he is leading the bride. And so he is going to constantly be going back to Christ and having personal experiences. Um, again, the established ministries, their spiritual leadership they are sent by the Holy Spirit. They are a father figure, so they are spiritually mature. Um, they have broad oversight and vision over the body as a whole. Um, walk in uh, spiritual authority, called a region. Um, they have the ability to draw from other gifts. I feel like some of these are, but they have a heart for the people. They are a spiritual covering and cover the other gifts. So an a apostle, these other four gifts can... Sometimes you, you can feel misunderstood in your gifting and calling, but an apostle is always going to make you feel like you're, you're understood. They're covering you. I got your back. You're good. I, I, what you taught was on point. You're good. Even though they're trying to come against you, I got it. I, I see. I've got your back. So they're covering them. They're covering them in prayer. Um, they have patience, and signs and wonders follow them. They do mighty deeds. Um, they have a vision for the church. They labor day and night. They look at their self as the father and the congregation as their children. So they're, they're, they love their congregation. Um, they are taught by God. They minister in the power of God, not the wisdom of man. Um, their fruit manifests the living God. They lead by Christ's example. They please God, not men. They don't flatter men. They are gentle with the saints. They are holy, righteous, and blameless. They exhort, comfort, chasten as necessary. Their glory is the glorious church, which I love that. It's not about them. It's not about them trying to get the glory for things. It's about when the church is being glorious, they are just like, oh, yes. Um, they endure hardship and persecution for the church's sake. All right. Any questions? Did that bring about any more questions or Comments? Anybody? All right. So next week, next Sunday, we're going to be having Ecclesia. And so we're not going to meet here. But then on the 29th, we have something special. Come back on the 29th. And, um, oh, love thy neighbors next Sunday night. That's why. Okay. So Ecclesia, love thy neighbor. So don't come here. Go to love thy neighbor. Huh? At Mount Providence. And then I'm sure there's, there's stuff on Facebook and all the good stuff about it. And then, um, but on the 29th, we'll meet again. Okay? All right. Love you guys. Let me bless y'all out of here. Lord, I just thank you for these people. I thank you for this hungry remnant of people, Lord God. And I just thank you that um, tonight as they go to bed, that they would be fully refreshed to start their week out tomorrow. Um, just being activated in you, Holy Spirit, and I thank you for opportunities to minister to others. In Jesus' name, amen.
Christy, Christy Graham. 